0: Now, we said this Sunday um, that we would uh, sort of be back into uh, just a little bit of, bit more on Romans. And uh, as Chris said earlier, this week we have been reading Romans chapter 5. Just bear with me. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And um, are we there? Yeah, there we are. Uh, that, that's our, been our theme for the last... Um, Several weeks, and today we're going to be reading. Roman, today we're going to read together Romans chapter five. It's just a fantastic yeah. chapter in the Bible. It's it, nothing um, expresses this this gospel that Paul uh, that that Paul was called with and sent with. Nothing expresses it more supremely than this chapter. And um, so we're going to read uh, chapter five together. And. Uh, the words will be on the screen behind me. I think it would be great if we could just read this out loud together. Okay, this is, this is the Holman translation. So, um, Marina, if you go with the first bit, Romans chapter 5. And that's, just, sorry, go back. Uh, just go back, go back, go back. As, you, as we read through, um, I want you to sort of imagine, first of all, that in the first half of this, We will be um, climbing some steps. We'll we'll give you a visual of that in a moment. We're going to be climbing some steps. We're going to be ascending, and there'll be step after step as we as we climb to the top of this uh, enormous mountain of truth, of uh, reality, of experience for us. And 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 when we get to the top, um, by about verse eleven. Then we're going to have the most incredible landscape, vista, view that will stretch not only for miles but for ages and we'll be able to gain a better perspective of everything. We'll be able to look back from the top and we'll be able to take in all that's happened to us and then we'll be able to sort of swivel around and look ahead and and have some sense of all that is still to happen for us and as we... Read it. You'll find there are there are little signposts that um, sort of mark our way up the steps, and they are phrases like this. You'll you'll come across these several times. Also, and not only that. Much more, and in some places, how much more? So so that that's the much more bit, uh, and you'll 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 notice these phrases as we read through, which we're going to do now. So thanks, Marina. So shall we um, read this out loud together? Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And the next one. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, Since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ we have now received this reconciliation through him. And the next. Therefore, no, back one. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a prototype of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God And the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And the gift is not like the one man's sin. Because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is life-giving justification for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness Resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wonderful. Do you know, we've just, just to follow up on the the prophetic um, encouragement and the prayer earlier, we have just declared something together as a church. And it's true for us, and it's true for our households. It'll be true for multitudes of others. So we've got a little picture, I think, next of uh, some steps. And we're going to take some steps in a moment, and we're going to ascend to the top of this great mountain. And um, I couldn't work the presentation to bring these up one by one. So the next slide, you're going to see all these steps altogether, but we're going to go through them one by one. So here's the starting point in verse one. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, this, as Chris said earlier, the whole gospel is in these verses. This is what Paul said right at the beginning, chapter 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. This is where he quotes from Habakkuk, writing 700 years earlier and saying, the righteous will be saved by faith. And this is the starting point. This is, this is where we put our foot down firmly. This is what Paul has been painstakingly arguing and showing and demonstrating to us in the first four chapters that all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, that the Gentiles are guilty of sinning but the Jews are no better, that God has always been knowable but men turn their back on him, that idolatry has bred depravity, that God is declared righteous when he judges sin. And when he judges sinful man. That circumcision is of, is of no real benefit because God looks at the heart. That justification and righteousness are by faith. And nothing to do with works or efforts or the law. Yeah. That Abraham was justified by faith. Yeah, right. And became the father of all who believe. But are not circumcised. So that the right so that righteousness may be credited to us also. This is our starting point. We have been declared righteous by faith. It's the first step. It's the, it's the place where we get our footing firm and strong. We've been declared righteous because of faith. We've been made right. We've been Put right, we've been declared not guilty. Circumcision couldn't do it. Ethnicity couldn't do it. Keeping the law can't do it. Good works won't do it. All the effort in the world can't do it. But the gift of God and the grace of God are totally sufficient. Jesus did it. And we receive it by faith faith in Him. And I just want to say to all of us in the room, you can take that step today, that first step, to put faith in Jesus, to believe in Him, to give up on all self-effort, on all trying so hard to be so good. We can take the first step today, and when we put faith in Christ... We're declared righteous, made right with God. Amen. That's the first step. And there's so much in here. You just have to read it over and over again to really take it all in. But, but even in the same verse, he goes on with the second step. He says, therefore, because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because, because of that first step, we have what millions crave. We have what hundreds of people who will be in and out of our homes this Christmas are longing for. We have peace with God. We're not guilty. We're not at war with Him. We're not not His enemies anymore. We're friends with Him. God has has loved us and come to us in friendship. We have peace with God. He loves us, He's for us. He's blotted out the, the stench and the shame of sin, He's declared us not guilty. No need to be ashamed anymore. We have peace with God. We can live free from guilt and shame. That's a pretty good second step to take. As we go up the hill, we can, we can take that step and we can stand firm in peace. And as we go up, as we go up let's just let these truths fill us and, and, and wash over us and flood into us. And, you know, every one of these has power to transform I believe there's some really specific things for us as we go up the steps today. But there's much more than that. Because verse 2 says, Also, through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about um, being able to approach a throne of grace. But it's not like the old covenant days where access to God was, was available really essentially for one man once a year to really come into his presence into the holy of holies this is, this is not you and I falling in and out of favour being in and out of grace we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand all the time Not on a special day of the year. Not because of baby Jesus at Christmas. Not just on Resurrection Sunday, Ascended Jesus. We have access by faith into this grace of God in which we stand and dwell and can stay all the time into the grace of God. We have grace sufficient for everything we face today. We don't have to try hard enough. We, can, we don't have to just scrape by or hang in or, or just, just barely make it. We can stand at peace and at ease in His grace because nothing could make Him love you anymore and nothing could make Him love you any less. We stand in the grace of God. We take that, second, we take that, that third step. By faith, we have peace. Yeah. We have access into grace in which we stand. And here's something else. Verse 2. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yes. Yes. You see, see we, have, we have peace to deal with the past and the present. We have grace to deal with today, and now we have we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God for the future. We are optimistic, right. we do have a positive view of the end times. Yes, amen. Because we have hope in the glory of God. Amen. We, we know how it ends. Yeah. We know He's coming back for a bride made fantastic, splendid, glorious. We can be optimistic and hopeful because because we have hope in the glory of God. This is the joy of hope. I read this lovely little description of this. It said, joy is peace dancing. And peace is joy at rest. Joy is peace dancing. Peace is joy at rest. Joy resting. And then it goes on to say, and we'll talk about this in a moment, Patience is hope lengthened. And confidence is hope strengthened. Dale Moody. We can stand rejoicing in the hope we have. And I, I'm just encouraging you today, this Christmas, step out of all negativity. Yes. Step up into hope, yes. into optimism, yes. into, into the joy of the hope of the glory of God. Let that be the atmosphere in our homes this Christmas. We should be the most positive people on the face of the earth. And then there's another one, and this is a big one. This next step is a big one, and and it's a big step for many of us, but I honestly believe this one's a breakthrough for many. Because he says, and not only that, verse 3, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Wow. We can, know the, we can know joy in affliction. We can know joy in difficult times. Yeah. We can know joy in troubles. In fact, we, we can dance. We can, be, we can be dancing even when we would otherwise be down. There can be joy. Because, he says, trials and troubles and, and stresses and strains produce endurance, produce patience, produce that hope lengthened, patience. And that, and, and that produces strong and proven character. And that hope doesn't disappoint us because we know God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in the message uh, version, this is how those verses are put. He says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise, even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us, and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In in alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Joy in affliction. It's a big step for some of us. But I, I think that could be a game changer for some. Yeah. Just to decide to be joyful. Yeah. To let peace dance a bit. Yes. Even in our troubles. And I know that we have many real challenges amongst us. But Paul says much more than that. We can know joy in afflictions. And then there's more. Verse 5, he says, because love has been poured into our hearts. Wow, this is a big one. They're all big ones. They're all big steps. Some of us might need a bit of a hand up. Some of these are big steps, but that's what we're we're climbing together. Our hearts are now flooded with the love of God. God. There's no space for anything else. Love dominates. Love saturates. Love eclipses. God has performed heart surgery on us to remove a heart of stone, to remove coldness, to remove indifference, and to put within us the love of God. A new capacity to express kindness. A new Ability to be generous, a new, um, a new enabling to express our emotions and to express compassion. As I was just um, with the Lord this morning, I just felt this very much that for some of us, um, expressing our emotions. Even this Christmas is going to have a major impact on your loved ones. Don't bottle it up. Express joy. Express zeal. Express love and kindness. Be overflowing. Let it out. Don't be so British. Because an expression of our emotions is going to have a big impact on our loved ones. And I just feel this. For some of us, we've got family and friends who've never seen us that way. They've just seen the contained version. Mm -hmm. The restrained version. (laughs) There's a few uh, knowing looks. It's time to let go. Because His love's been poured in our hearts. I's going to speak in a moment about overflow. An, there should be an overflow of the love of God expressed just in beautiful, raw emotion and passion and kindness and generosity. How is this all possible? Well, there's more, because the Holy Spirit, verse five, the Holy Spirit has been given to us) I think I said the other week, there's a a missionary waiting to reach others. There's there's a helper in you longing to help others. There's a counselor in you longing to, to counsel people through you. Let's let him be expressed through us totally. The most wonderful person in the world. The most wonderful person in the world lives in us fills us, changes us, stirs us, releases us, empowers us, liberates us, sets us free. Paul's going to go into that. I can't wait to get to chapter 8, by the way. We, we, this, is, this is Paul's first mention of the Holy Spirit, but not his last. When he gets to chapter 8, wow, we'll be, we're, if we're not on the ceiling, check your pulse, because it's just electric. Oh, hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Wonderful. You know, there are places where um, you can avoid this step altogether. You can try and um, circumvent this step. But I don't recommend it. (laughs) Take the step, step up, and embrace all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. But there's much more. And I'm going to just jump a little bit to verse 9 here. He says, because because since, well, he says much more than, verse 9, since we've now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. The most precious substance in the cosmos has flowed for us. The most precious... um, Element, substance, matter, the blood of Christ flowed for us. And Christ died, I love the way he puts that, at just the right time. I know that has a, big, a bigger meaning. But do you know for you, he died at just the right time. For you, just the right time. You got to know him just the right time. You've come into his kingdom just the right time. He died for us at just the right time. It says, as proof of God's love. It's a funny little phrase, that isn't it? God somehow wanted to prove his love to us. And he sent Jesus, who died at just the right time as proof of God's love. He, he doesn't ask us to prove ourselves in the same way that he has proved himself to us, he's taken the initiative, he's proved himself. All we have to do is believe, put faith in him. So now, because of this, we're saved. Yeah. Richard asked us at the beginning, hands up if you're saved. It's, it's a, it's, it, can, it can be a bit of a cliche, can't it? But, but this chapter is telling us what it's all about. We're saved yeah. from God's wrath. Yeah. Saved into his life. Yeah. We're totally saved. And if I could just change the word slightly. You're safe. You're saved and you're safe. Totally saved from the past. Totally safe in the present. Totally saved and secure for the future. Verse 10 says basically because he lives, we live. You're saved and you will be saved. You're safe and you're secure. And this morning we can take that step up a little bit. And just acknowledge, I'm safe. I'm saved. I can be a source of safety to my family this Christmas. But there's still more. And verse 11, he goes on to say this, and not only that, not only that, (laughs) not only all these blessing upon blessing upon blessing that all start with being declared righteous by faith all these blessings added to it and not only that but we also rejoice in God through whom we have now we, through whom we've, no, we've, we've now received reconciliation just want to say this for everybody in this room um, at one time and it may even be the, the present time uh, we were alienated from God. We were estranged from Him. We were, we were enemies of God. But now we've been reconciled. Yes. It's, it, it's, it's the thing you probably never imagined you'd do. You can do now. You can rejoice in God. Yes. You've, we've swapped sides. Yes. And we totally belong yes. in our new home. This is the joy of belonging. We belong with God. We're, we're on God's side. Yeah. We belong with Him. Yeah. And, um, and, and I just want to say again, this, this step is another game changer. For you to know, you can stop the search. You can throw off restlessness. And you can know that you belong in the house of God. Perhaps to know you belong in this expression of the house of God and the search is over and you've found home and you can rejoice in the God to whom you belong Amen. blessing upon blessing what we could never earn what, what the law could never give us what, uh, what Christ has done for us we can stand secure we can take these great steps we can, we can get to the top of this magnificent mountain And I think uh, if you'd put the next one up, Marina, and we can start to consider the view from the top, to take in this vast panoramic landscape, to look around and now see how all this has been made possible. And what we discover in the second half of the chapter is is really massive. (laughs) Really mind-blowing. You do have to read this a few times to really get your head around it. But let me just read it to you this time. Verse, Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to one's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He's a prototype of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of the grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is um, comparing and contrasting two men, Adam and Christ. And what we discover is each of them is, is the head of a race, the head of a, of, a, of, a, of a type, the head indeed of two types of humanity. What Paul's describing is not two uh, choices or two alternative lifestyles or just two ends of a spectrum. It's nothing less than two species, two types of humanity, two races. So as we look, first of all, we look into the far, far distance and we see Adam The first man. That name, Adam, it means humanity in Hebrew. And Adam, if you could just put the picture up uh, for us, Marina. Adam is made in the image of God. Adam has the tree of life available to eat from. Everything going for him. But Adam, the first man sinned. What Paul describes is that sin entered the world through that one sin. Sin entered the world. Sin spread to all men. And by that one man's sin and trespass, a multitude died. Death reigned. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Here's an an amazing thing to think about. From the garden onwards from the very beginning, from the garden onwards, before and after the flood, under Abraham, under Isaac, under Jacob, all the way during the captivity in Egypt, during the exodus out of Egypt under Moses, during the conquest of the land under Joshua, under the judges, under the kings, during the exiles, an entire human race, was affected, was um, infected, was inflicted by one man's sin. An entire species, an entire humanity lived and died under the dominion of sin and death. Death reigned. But when you look again, and in one way you look a bit nearer but in another way you look even further back that's for another day another man walks into view he is the second man he is the last Adam he is the God man he is the man Christ Jesus and in this man a whole new race is born Verses 18 and 19 say, Through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. So also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. There we go. On to the next one. I think we're... There we go. You see, now human beings can be reborn, can be born again, can be born from above, can be born of the Spirit. Adam's sin made the multitudes sinners. Christ's obedience has made multitudes righteous. All who were in Adam were born already alienated from God. But all who are in Christ have been made righteous and are at peace with God. The first humanity knew only sin and death. The new humanity knows grace and peace and righteousness. It's right to say that Christ is in us. But we're in Christ. That's right. yes. We're not in the first man. We're in the second man. We're not in the first Adam. We're in the last Adam. Right. Adam was the head of sinful mankind. Christ is the head of the church which is righteous mankind. In Ephesians 2, it says that, um, that, that Christ has destroyed the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile so that he can create in himself one new man. And that phrase has the meaning of one brand new kind of man. One man of a kind that has never existed before. A brand new man a new kind of man, a new humanity. That in Christ, he's created a brand new man of a kind that didn't exist before. Jesus didn't come to save a nation or a tribe or a people. He came to create a new race. And that's the race we belong to. And there aren't really many races. There aren't really really many uh, ethnicities. There aren't really many uh, nations and, and tribes that should matter to us. There's only two types that should concern us, those that are in Christ and those that are in Adam. And I pray that this Christmas, through the overflow of the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, those prophetic declarations we made, may we know that, that the race of Christ is growing and expanding all around us. I love the contrast here, just to bring this to a close now. Adam brought death to the living. Jesus brings life to the dead. Under Adam, death reigned. Verses 14, verses 17. Now, under Christ, we reign in life. One sinful act brought death to all men. One righteous act brings life to everyone. Were it not for Adam's sin, death would never have had a beginning. Were it not for Christ's death, sin would have would never have an ending. I love that quote. Sin reigned, but now grace reigns. How much more, verse 15, have the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ? Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace And the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This this book, this Romans book, is totally revolutionary, isn't it? You know, in the the first chapter, Paul announces this new kingdom. Uh, There's only one king, and it's not Caesar. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, and that's his message. There's a new kingdom. He's not come to... You know, patch us up, but to to bring us into a whole new kingdom. And now we get to chapter five, and he goes even further. So there's not just a new king. There's a new humanity. There's a new type of person. There are, there's a new species. Those who are in Christ. And as this year, um, kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to pull things forward too far. But as the year draws to a close, I know we've got another few days. What a time to look back and look ahead. But I just want to say, make sure you look far enough. We can look back on a great year, a year of quantum shifting and lots of good things happening. We can look ahead and anticipating great expansion, but let's see it all from the top of this mountain. Let's look back and see that Jesus has has. Performed, has carried out, has enacted one righteous act that saved us all. We're in Christ. We're not in Adam. We have peace. We have hope. We have joy. He's filled us with his love. He's given us his spirit. He's placed us in a new home where we belong. And there's always so much more. I don't know what you're thinking for next year. I don't know what kind of anticipation you have, but but let me encourage you to think, think of much more than you might be. Think of way much more than you might be. He's got so much more for all of us. Lord, I want to thank you that we can, we can read in this chapter today this tremendous, life-changing, history-changing, um, destiny-changing This one righteous act by this one man, the death, the resurrection, the shedding of your blood, Lord Jesus, which has brought us all into this new race, this new type of man, this this new creation. I want to pray that we will all rejoice ourselves this Christmas in all that you've given us. And our prayers for our families and our friends, those that will be in and out of our homes, will be nothing less than seeing men and women transferred from one kingdom to another, from one humanity to another, from one state to another. I want to thank you, Lord, you've got so much more for us. Father, you don't want us to just be um, excited with goosebumps. You want to move us into a dynamic, supernatural realm. Yes, amen. Lord, you don't want us to just be faithful attendees and observers of what happens in this church, but you want us to be participators. You don't want us to just be watching others getting on with things. Lord, you want us to run the race with all our hearts. Thank you. There's so much more that we've come into and we're coming into. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.